This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And welcome to Land Parties, episode 51 from the Las Vegas Review Journal, brought to you by Bet Online. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me as always, my good friend and co-host, Lucas Egan. Lucas, how was your new year? How was the weekend, my friend? My new year was pretty quiet. I, uh, I'm i an old soul, so I stayed up till midnight and then pretty much just went to bed. Like that was <laughs> that was it. That was it. I know, not very exciting, but hey, it was fine. How was your new year, Ryan? It, it was good. You know, I, the older we get, I feel like that's just the way it is. And we're, we're lucky that we even make it to midnight at this point. <laughs> Uh, mine was very similar. We actually, and it's nice because I usually work New Year's Eve, so it was nice to actually sit back, watch other people's coverage, hang out with the family. So we played board games. Uh, we loaded up the fire pit and sat by the fire, played some. Uh, uh, my daughter, she went and did the, uh, um, what was it, the Animal Crossing New Year's event. So overall, it was absolutely fantastic. It was super chill. I enjoyed the last few days of vacation, but we're back now. It's back on that grind. Enough about us, though, Lucas. Please tell our listeners about our guest. Fantastic person. Oh, man, I am excited that we are kicking off the new year with a great friend of mine, a longtime supporter, and a wonderful and talented podcaster. You know him from Feeling Film and in the past, the games we love. Aaron White is joining us. Aaron, how are you? Happy New Year. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so far, so good for 2021 for me. We're, what, a four days in now? So <laughs> small sample size, but not bad. We'll take what we can get <laughs> these days. Small victories. Small victories are worth celebrating these days, it seems like. Absolutely. One day at a time. One day at a time. That's what, you know what I mean? That's how we, we got to go into this year cautiously, uh, but optimistically, you know? Absolutely. And, and we have... Sorry, go ahead, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we, we are excited to, to dive into some video game movie topics. Uh, but first, we have a couple things we want to touch on. And we've got some new Games with Gold and PS Plus games for gamers to enjoy. Ryan, why don't you take us through them? Yeah, so uh, there's, a little, there's a little caveat to the uh, PlayStation Plus games. Two of the games are for PS4 and PS5. However, the main title, one of the main titles, sorry, I should say, Man Eater is going to be strictly for the PS5, but you have coming for January 21, uh, Tomb Raider. It is uh, Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, uh, Greedfall, and of course, like I just said, Man Eater, which was the, uh, the shark game. I've, I've got friends that have played this game. They actually said... It's pretty legit, so I'm excited to go around and be a shark and eat people and do do that fun stuff. 
Um, and then of course, I've never played any of the the newer Tomb Raiders. Um, I know that they're I've heard that the solid like the the reboot is pretty solid. The graphics on it look absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the storyline I, I hear is solid. So it might be, you know, again, too, with this being plus games, it gives people that incentive to go in and and try the game out if they haven't for the first time. And this is, a, I mean, it's a heck of a game to actually uh, get for free. So, again, it, it's Tomb Raider. And I'm not really sure about uh, Greedfall. Um, I'm not familiar with that game at all, to be honest. It looks almost like a, it looks almost like it. I don't know. I guess an RPG maybe is what it is. Greedfall. It is. Have you heard it, of this? It's kind of like it a is. swashbuckling piratey RPG. Oh, okay. I can get on board with that. With some magical That'll... elements, of course, thrown in for good magic. I mean, if you didn't have any magic, you got to have some magic up in there too. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, so that's what we have uh, for the PS Plus. And then for Xbox Gold, they have actually... Uh, four different titles. They've got Little Nightmares, Dead Rising. Um, what is that? Uh, let me look at my uh, notes real quick. King of the King of Fighters thirteen and Dead Rising. So I know that Little Nightmares is a solid, solid pickup, and I mm-hmm. believe they're supposed to be coming out with a second one. Is this it year. this year? Okay, yeah. Yep. So I've heard I've never played Little Nightmares, but I heard it's a really solid game. So I, I, I think both on the Xbox side and the PS side, uh, uh, PS side, they've got some solid games coming out. They do. Little Nightmares is an absolute gem. I love that game. Uh, definitely worth checking out. I can't wait till Little Nightmares 2. Uh, that is one of my more anticipated games of the year. And Ryan, you should play the reboot of the Tomb Raider series. And please stream it. Please stream it. Because I would love to see your reaction when some things start to happen and you start to experience <laughs> some deaths. <laughs> okay. So you're saying it's worth... Uh, the 2013... Yeah, the 2013 first reboot is incredible. And then from there, it's kind of... You know, they're not quite, I don't think, as good, in my opinion, the the two mm-hmm. follow-ups. They get a little more open world. So, Shadow, so mm-hmm. the Tomb Raider reboot is very straightforward it's a linear game it's more like an uncharted game than anything with a little a little bit more like uncharted lost legacy kind of with like a central hub but they get more and more open world as they go and uh, you know a little overwhelming in my opinion for what a tomb raider game should be but that first one narratively speaking is it's great see that it's funny that you say that too because i have an issue i don't have an issue i i get lost in open world games where i'm there's just so much to do I don't know what to do, and I just get lost from the main storyline. I never end up finishing it and stuff like that. I thought I might. I, I I think I'm getting better at it though because I try to focus. Like Cyberpunk, I just finished. I've I finished a couple runthroughs of that so far, and you know what I mean. It's enough to where I'm able to go through and just do the main storyline stuff. But there is a ton of stuff to do outside of that. So now that I've beat it a couple times, I'm kind of just running around and doing all that side stuff now. Uh, which is nice, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I we'll see, we'll see about it. I'm just like, I've got my, I mean, it, my backlog as far as with games, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I'm not even gonna lie. That will be on the lower priority side. Trying to, I've got so many, I mean, I've got, I've got the Halo uh, Master Chief that I've got to run through. Uh, I've got Death Stranding. I still need to finish. 
Ghost of Tutsuma. Uh, I haven't even touched that. Still need to finish Spider-Man. Come on. Who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? <laughs> I, I must say that I do love how we've seen the both the services provide so much value. Like as a gamer on a budget, these services are great to get caught up on games that I just miss or that I don't know about if I would love it. So I don't go out and buy it just cause, um, I gotta be careful with what games I buy. Like I, I can, I have a very finite amount of money that I can, uh, throw at games. So to have services like this and have the variety of games that they throw at you is amazing because I can see and play titles that I never, ever would have tried without it. So it's, it's awesome. And yeah, that's a heck of a lineup for both of them. Not to steal PlayStation's Thunder, but because I'm a PlayStation guy, but Greedfall did come to Game Pass in December. In <laughs> so I I very much feel like we're starting to see some of this competition where something comes to Game Pass and then it comes out on PS Plus following that. Uh, and it's I think it's probably negotiations with the studio play into that, but also one of those like we can't get behind like they're giving away this decent, you know, newish RPG for free. So I guess we should do it, too, because we're going to look bad. Right. And and, and we've talked about Game Pass, too, and just how much Xbox and Microsoft have really started putting in, because I feel like that was one of their bigger issues was that they weren't really catering to their community and I felt like things were falling short, especially on the game side of things to the community. So it's nice to see them really come up and start to beef up and focus on that library. I also uh, have Game Pass so I can play Xbox games on my PC because I, I've never had an Xbox. But now with Microsoft and them, you know, and the mentality that they've taken, I'm able to play those games now without having to own an Xbox, which is fantastic. I was going to say, too, that I'm actually a little disappointed because we know that PS Plus no longer is supporting or they're not pumping out games. I don't believe, and I, I could be wrong, uh, but you didn't really hear any mentions as far as uh, uh, with like PS3 or or PSP. I, I believe that was part of the uh, that one update uh, in December or November that they did. So I actually kind of expected a little more on the PS5 side of things especially the fact that there's not really that many games out for it and that's something i clearly remember when the playstation 4 came out was you know there not being very many games but what sustained us was the fact that they came out with some solid games for ps plus so we were able to you know what i mean play it a little more get a little deeper uh so that end of it kind of disappointed me a little bit again we're getting these these ps4 uh games that are getting lifted up to ps5 i want some true i'm ready for some true ps5 games we got well we got bug snacks and that was great right but then they left it that way for two months which was kind of right. like a little bit lame <laughs> and with what you're saying with man eater like i've played man eater on ps4 so i got mm -hmm. it for free already on ps5 like i already i already have it because uh, i get the free upgrade so it's really it's not it's only satisfying even less of a customer base because those people that have man eater on the ps4 version they automatically already had the upgrade. They don't. They didn't need it for free via PS Plus. So, yeah, it's it's a little bit of you know lesser impactful, I think, than it and it could be. And I would like to see them, like you said, start. We need to get some more true PS Five games because the true PS Five mm -hmm. games I've played so far have all been outstanding. Things like the Pathless, like awesome, just absolutely awesome. Like I want more 
purely made for the PS5 experiences ASAP. I wonder, I, I, re- I read something too that they were saying if you recently bought Maneater, Sony is actually auto uh, sending out uh, refunds to people that recently yeah, purchased cool. it. That's so yeah, cool. I'll buy that is, that's, you know what I mean? Like good on them for doing that because that would be upsetting being like, oh, I just got this game and I was free on PS Plus. <laughs> I think, I think that's- I'd be a little salty. I think that's always the fear. If there has been one downside to these services, it's always, and I've, I have been guilty of this, of I won't buy this game because I'm pretty sure it's going to make it to PS Plus at some point. So <laughs> it's, I think there's just some of the danger that comes with the territory these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I agree 100% as far as with that, dude. It, it's, it's, it's always kind of cautious, but I mean, I mean, again, too, like Aaron's saying, we want more. We're ready for more now. It's been it's been a couple of months. Um, you're only now, you know, we're only now getting a new game on uh, that that's for PS5, and there's a lot of people that already own this game for PS4. So it's just, you know, what I mean, again, I already have this game. Now it's just getting bumped up to that PS5 quality. Um, that it, it's a little underwhelming. So again, that's something that I'm kind of excited for this year coming into this new year is just really to start to get the games. We got the hardware, we've got the stuff, we've got it in our hands. We're able to play with it and whatnot. Now give me some games. Yeah, this, I mean, we're, we're still in that weird time when, when these new systems are out, but they're still very much, uh, trying to cater to the systems with the bigger bases right now. And I think until, until you see Xboxes and PlayStations become easily and widely available that you're, you're, we're just still in that weird transition period. Um, I remember you, you think back to PS3, PS4 and that era, you know, when you're still getting the games that are cross platform. So it might be a while and it always is a while until you start to see the true power of these systems kind of get unleashed. So Growing pains is what we're kind of going through. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of which, I mean, what's really, as far as with 2021, you know, I, I kind of want to ask you, and let me start with Aaron. What what are some games and, and just kind of like, what are you hoping? What are your hopes for 2021 in gaming, whether it be uh, hardware, software, uh, games, whatever? Ooh, uh, man, less games. <laughs> no, I mean, like you're talking about the backlog. I mean, it's it's insane. And so, so many games that you want to play that you just can't get through. I mean, this is one of the reasons that it's interesting being a movie guy and a movie critic is I can get through my film backlog a lot easier and a lot faster than I can get through mm-hmm. my games backlog because of the time it requires to get through one of said piece of entertainment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I'm actually fine with it being a little bit of a slower year for content that I like absolutely have to play. Um, I think mm-hmm. that that will allow me to maybe get caught up a little more. Um, I'm excited about indies this year and that'll play into some of my resolution stuff as well. But I think that the indie world is just growing and booming and it is exploding in the type of games that we're seeing coming out of smaller studios and I'm more excited than about those than I am a ton of AAA stuff that's coming out, honestly. And I think that's because we're in the lull. Like Lucas said, we're in the waiting period in 2021, honestly, of, you know, I was going through making a list of games I was excited for. And I was like, oh, that's not out this year. Oh, that's 2022. <laughs> oh, that, there's no way that's coming out this year. You know what I mean? Like, 
2023 is when we're going to see those first wave of real strong next contenders start to hit. And uh, until then, it's sort of, you know, it's it's wait and see on a bunch of these games. I could say I'm excited for quite a few of them, but I'm not my expectation level for them is reserved. Yeah. What what about you, Lucas? What what are you excited for? You know, I'm really most interested in how Nintendo reacts this year. Uh, You have all those rumors of a pro switch that may or may not come out. Um, I don't expect that to be like a super huge upgrade because I don't I couldn't possibly see them trying to split their base of switches right now. But mm-hmm. I'm just going to speak this into existence. I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> I want Metroid Prime 4 news. I want something. I want anything on it. Gameplay, something. Give me give me a, a far out release window. Just give me something. Like, I, I hate, like, I appreciate how open they were early on saying this isn't working. We have to start over. I really don't appreciate how it's just been totally radio silent since then. And I really want to hear something. Um... I am excited for God of War Ragnarok whenever that comes out. That's probably cheating a little bit because who knows when that's going to come out. And Halo Infinite. I hope Halo Infinite turns out well. That That is a series that I love, that I haven't loved the last few installments as much, and I really hope that they can kind of get back on track. Yeah, yeah, dude. And, and I know exactly what you're talking about as far as, uh, like, you know what I mean? It'll be interesting because I didn't even really think about it. I mean, again, we know what Nintendo, they just seem to just drop bombs on people. They don't really like, they're just like, look here, take this. You know what I mean? It seems like either there's like little lead up to like uh, uh, something major from them or like all of a sudden you just get a drop and all of a sudden Nintendo's like, boom, here you go. We love you guys too. Uh, so it'll be exciting to see what their what their plans are and what we get from them uh, this year. There are some solid games, so like you're saying, uh, the Master Chief Collection or not the Master Chief Collection. I'm sorry, uh, Halo Infinite. I need to finish the Master Chief Collection before getting that. That is definitely on my list. Obviously, God of War uh, Ragnarok. That I, God of War is amazing that what they did with that series in rebooting it i thought was fantastic uh, i'm i'm super excited about that you've got horizon forbidden uh west uh which if you played horizon zero dawn that game was another beautiful um exclusive for for playstation and i think now it's recently recently moved over to pc uh but that game is gorgeous i'm excited for that uh some of my other games death loop I don't even know what it is about this game, but there's something very different about this game that has really piqued my interest. So I've been following along, and, and Deathloop's supposed to come out May 21st. Um, we've got Back for Blood. I played that alpha uh, test here a couple of weeks ago. I enjoyed that. That's a game that I'm going to pick up. We've got Mass Effect Legendary, which I'll probably... I can't remember if I actually picked those up or not. If I haven't, I will, so I can play through it, especially with the announcement. Um, but, uh, otherwise, you know, that'll be nice to be able to bring people get this remastered version of it and bring in kind of a new, uh, era of, of people that haven't, or may not be as familiar with the series. You've got, uh, Lord of the Rings Gollum. I don't know why this excite me, but it, it, it totally does excite me, uh, because I love Lord of the Rings and Gollum. And then, uh, of course, uh, Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights, I, I feel like is again, I haven't played any of those Batmans really like like start to finish or anything like that. But that one with the story setting, it, it takes place after Batman has died. Uh, it's it's like a co-op multi. It's almost like 
what I thought um, uh, Marvel's Avengers was going to be uh, as far as with the multiplayer uh, player side of things. So that's definitely one I'm going to be keeping my eye on as well. Uh, but, you know, kind of like Aaron was saying, though, a lot of the excitement isn't necessarily in the in the triple um, uh, A titles. It's really the indie companies. And we've really seen what they can do and what these small studios are producing. They're producing fantastic, gorgeous games, games that, you know, a ton of people are playing and stuff like that. You're really seeing a resurgence in in, in uh people gravitating towards these indie titles. So that to me as well, I agree with you 100% Aaron, that's where the real excitement is going to come from are these indie developers and what they come up with, especially with this new tech. And then there's one other thing. I I know you guys, um, the PS five has a, a, a ME two or M uh, M dot two expansion slot inside of it. However, Sony (laughs) has that deactivated, right now which which i actually and i have to link to the the video i watched this great video on youtube about it and it makes sense because right now there are no games that would be able to even take advantage of being able to use that slot so there's really no point in 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 having it as these games develop as the developers get you know deeper and deeper in and start really using uh the maximum amount of what the system can handle and whatnot They'll open up that slot. It'll become uh, useful. But again, I think that's more 2022, 2023 games uh, that we'll really see that being able to be taken advantage of. I need more space. I need more space. (laughs) It's a joke. Honestly, it's a joke. I get it from a business perspective. I fully understand it. Why it's more expensive to craft, you know, an SSD and put that in your machine. But the amount of space you get after the OS takes up what it takes up is like 650 gigabytes. And it is yep. it's a joke. It is a joke. I have three games on my console that are over a hundred gigabytes and that's like almost all I can put on it. It feels like, you know, right. like a couple of indies and it's, it's a problem. Like it is very, very frustrating to constantly have to switch in and out and download and undownload and delete and such. Uh, they need to give us, an ability to expand our storage uh, for sure. Yeah. And I, well, cause I mean, I, and, and we called that before it even came out. I was like, I was like, man, it's I was like a 775 gigabyte, you know, solid state drive, you know, after I was like, I was like, so it's going to come up and it, and it was actually less than what I thought it was going to be afterward. Cause that's six. Yeah. I'd seen that 650. Like, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? This is going to, I can hold a few games on here. I did, however, get a solid state uh, drive that I could plug in. And I, I was able to, I got a, a, a two terabyte uh, solid state uh, for fairly, fairly, there was all kinds of deals and stuff like that going on. Um, but yeah, that, that's been helpful to be able to, to do that. But yeah, out the gate, man, like, and, and, and for people that may not be able to afford uh, an expansion drive or something like that, it, it, it was very disappointing to be able to see that. But again, I think they knew that going in being like, look, we understand it's not a lot of space there. There is going to be a bit the, to have the ability to expand, but, but we're trying to get this thing as fast as possible. So it's like, all right, I, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Some of the, I, I'm going to hit the titles real quick. Cause I didn't give you any actual names. I'll see some of the games in addition to the ones you mentioned there, especially um, Ryan, I, the, this is a year and moving into a little bit of 2022 probably, but a year where a lot of my favorite IPs are getting games. So we're going to have Hogwarts Legacy coming 
Gotham yes. Knights, as you mentioned, I'm a Batman guy. Um, we have Dark Alliance coming, which I'm hyped for because I love me some Drist and D&D worlds uh, mm. for Ben Realms. We've got a Prince of Persia remake is one of my favorite games of all time. I'm very nervous about that because it's Ubisoft and I <laughs> just don't want them to make it open world <laughs> and, and into like their, I don't want them to put an Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed skin on Prince of Persia. I want them to remake right. the games with better graphics. And but I'm very excited to see what happens there. I'm a Ratchet and Clank super fan, so I'm pumped to see the PS5 uh, powerful version of that. I'm Lord of the Rings is my favorite thing ever. So like you, I'm weirdly hyped for Gollum. It, it doesn't look <laughs> like I'm actually. It doesn't sound that great to be honest. Like I'm like, well, I don't want this as the story, but yet I'm gonna play it. Uh, right. And there's just there's lots of cool stuff. Like there's an anime looking game uh, called Scarlet Nexus that I'm pretty excited about yeah that one looks like a new ip that could be really special bravely default 2 because i love mm. me some turn-based combat and then it's like when are we going to get breath of the wild 2 that's what my daughter cares about the most she wants to play as zelda i'm praying that that's the direction that they take this series and with nintendo and like you talked about metroid like and you get like we just don't know they could s really just be like hey guys guess what Put the Wild 2's out next month. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> and you're only going to have three months before we take it off the East Shop. You know, yeah. it's, <laughs> they're all the way. They're crazy. Um, on the indie side, Sports Story on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I was excited about that one coming out last year. It got delayed. It's the follow-up to a game called Golf Story. And if you mm -hmm. guys have not played it, I highly recommend it. Um, there's one called 12 Minutes that's coming out. And as a film critic, this one is uh, from Annapurna. Mm -hmm. who also does yes. movies. And so they do really great narrative games. 12 Minutes is about a murder that takes place and you basically relive this 12-minute scenario over and over, making different decisions to try and figure out what happened and how to make things different. Sounds awesome. Disco Elysium, coming to consoles, has me jacked because I never play stuff on my PC anymore, <laughs> but I bought it for my PC, started it, didn't get to finish it. Now I actually get to play through it. And, I, and I, that game was amazing for what I already played. Um, Stray, I get to play as a cat. Yay. Uh, Kena yeah, Bridge of right. Spirits looks awesome. There's a game called Chris Tales that's also a JRPG um, where it's got some unique elements that blends the past, present, and future all at the same time. Mm. It's kind of like Chrono Trigger-esque. Mm -hmm. That one mm. looks really good. And a game called She Dreams Elsewhere, which is um, uh, made by a solo uh, developer. Um, it is all... POC protagonists in the game and it mm. has a very unique flavor. It's got black and white art style. Almost it's a JRPG turn-based game, but it almost looks like a persona game in Ooh. pixel form. It's phenomenal looking and then as a absolute killer soundtrack as well. So She Dreams Elsewhere is one that people need to look up, get excited for. There's gameplay out there because people have already been able to play it last year, but it's coming out wide release this year i must say i do love bravely default i just wish i don't know what it is with companies these days and that that struggle with naming conventions because you had bravely default then you had bravely second and now we have bravely default too and i just don't know what <laughs> is going on anymore <laughs> they tend to do that it's that it's, that, it's like that xbox naming convention <laughs> oh my goodness using as possible <laughs> so much so that retailers are even going to get it wrong <laughs> it's like come on man there is a lot to be excited for gaming wise though 
in 2021. We'll see how things shape up again. We're just starting out this year. So as we start moving forward, we're going to start seeing things develop. We, it'll be interesting to see two kind of moving into the space with there being a vaccine out and everything like that. You know, I, I don't know how much they're going to be looking at bringing physical events back like like hard like that. I think we'll still have a lot of virtual events and a lot of, uh, if, if anything, hybrid events. I don't think the virtual virtual aspect of a lot of this stuff is going to be going away. Um, but I'm excited to start getting into that season, start seeing more of these games, start getting more of the stuff that these people have been developing and working on. So, I mean, 2021 is going to be exciting, not only on the video gaming side, but also on the on the movie side of things, which we'll get into here in a few minutes. Uh, stick around, guys. We will be right back after this short break. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com join. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to those short messages. And now we get into the real fun part of the show. Aaron, talk to me about how you kind of got into film criticism. I know that you're a member of the Seattle Film Critics Society. So what got you down that path? And how has video games kind of intersected as you've done film criticism? Oh, man. Well, uh, backstory. So I've been a gamer my entire life. uh, And I would say maybe even more so than films, gaming has been my primary entertainment hobby over the course of my several decades of life at this point. And, uh, (laughs) and so, you know, I would always watch a lot of movies. Um, and I started to try my hand at reviewing them. And I, I actually reviewed games going back into the two thousands on, on a GameSpot account that I had, and it just kind of bled over into me starting to write about movies And I just kind of really enjoyed it. And I did that for a while. And randomly, honestly, it happened one day. My friend, my best friend and I, who he still lives back in Arkansas where I'm from. And so we only get to really communicate via technology these days. We were going through Battlestar Galactica uh, episode by episode. We we would watch it like a couple (laughs) episodes a week. And then we would get on this voice chat app and we would talk through the episodes. And we were having so much fun. We we're like, man, this is so much fun to talk about things that we love together. And it was right around the time that Batman v Superman came out. 
We both went to see it. He's a huge Superman fan. I'm a huge Batman fan. We both love the movie. We both saw it get completely trashed on Rotten <laughs> Tomatoes and Via Critics. And we were like, you know what? We want to be a voice that is against that. We want to be a voice that talks about why it's okay to love a film that you connect with, even if people say it's quote unquote critically bad. Mm -hmm. And that's how the podcast started. We were like, let's just record something and see what happens. We'll basically take our personal conversations. We'll record them instead, do it and see what anybody likes it. And it just, it blossomed from there. It became a thing that evolved. Um, it's feeling film and there's, uh, it, it, we, our slant is that we like to talk about our emotional connection to a film more than the technical merit. And we've even gotten to the point now where we just really don't even cover movies that we don't like very much because we're not there to trash a movie. We do full spoilers. So we deep dive into themes and, and like I said, just the emotions that we have when watching them. And we like to you know, promote the fact that that's a valid experience and that that's an okay reason to love a film that you don't have to say, oh, this had perfect cinematography and perfect acting and, you know, whatever. You can criticize a movie's structure or whatever you want to say, but if you connect with it, if you resonate with it and it makes you feel something, if it triggers thoughts in your mind, changes how you view the world, like that, those things are of as much or more value. And so that's just kind of how it became. I started watching movies as a public. I went to general public. I went to screeners mm -hmm. and I live in Seattle. And so that was available to me. And slowly but surely I worked my way up and I'm, I'm very driven, uh, to be honest, kind of like you, Lucas. And I just kind of <laughs> go after what I want to be frank. And so I figured out where's, what, what does this world look like for film criticism? Is there, you know, a press agency figured that out, applied, Got myself accepted. Okay, what's next? Are there any groups? Okay, there's a Seattle Film Critics Society that's forming. Let me get in on that. You know, oh, there's Film Festival. Mm -hmm. Let me get in on that. And I just continually would essentially grind and go after what I wanted. Um, and people have resonated with it. We have a, a Facebook group that I think I'm most proud of. It's only got like 660 people in it. But it is curated to the point where it is people that it has a ton of film critics in it, but it also has a ton of people who only watch like Marvel movies and <laughs> Disney content. And so it's really got this wide variety of folks who love talking about film and there's almost no negativity. People don't talk down to each other. People respect each other. It's all about movie discussion instead of hot takes. And I just, I love it. It's, it's the thing that is the most, you know, I'm, I'm most proud of, I guess, coming out of the podcast itself is this little Facebook group that has developed and a community. And even those people don't even necessarily listen to the podcast, but they have come together because it exists mm -hmm. and they talk about movies and get enjoyment from that on a daily basis. And so, yeah, man, it's been awesome. And I, I love it. I watch way too many movies every year, <laughs> thousand hours. Or so. It's definitely a conflict for me with gaming because, you know, like I said, gaming takes up so much of my time. Um, and then I tried to dip my toes into my gaming podcast as well uh, this past year, which was awesome. Um, and you knew about that one, uh, Lucas, for sure that, you know, that was called the games we love podcast and mm -hmm. it's actually still out there. I did it in a seasonal format so that I could always come back to it. And mm. basically I decided I wanted to interview folks very similar to what you guys do. I had a guest on and I would interview them, talk to them about how they got into either games journalism or games development. And we would talk about a couple games that they were enjoying playing at the moment. 
and then we would discuss one major game that was their favorite. So they got to pick the game. That was the key uh, in order to make sure it was something, quote unquote, obviously, that they loved. And I got to talk to Jeremy Johns, uh, who's a film critic, YouTube um, personality. He's a friend here in Seattle. So we talked and did an episode. Uh, Blessing Eddie O. Jr. of Kind of Funny was on the show. Khalif Adams from Spawn on Me. Um, Jake Decker from GameSpot, Sam Loveridge, who is the uh, Games Radar editor-in-chief, to name a few. And I have a ton of others that were ready to come on. I just haven't gotten around to getting to the episodes. And maybe I will, maybe I won't. But that content is there and available on podcast services everywhere. And it's at thegameswelovepodcast.com. And you can check those out. And like I said, they were built specifically to be timeless. So you can go listen to them now. And they're not anything to do with current gaming news you can Mm -hmm. get just as much value out of them now and man it was great and i wish i had infinite time to just basically live my life doing nothing but making podcasts about movie and video games and then probably sports too for the heck of it and i'd be a happy camper (laughs) (laughs) i heard i think that was something i had a chance to to listen to you guys podcast and everything and i i think that was the thing that was that was most attractive to me was the fact that it's not necessarily about the technical aspects of a film but it was more about how you how it made you feel and and that's something that always resonates with me not only on the on movies but also with video games you know what I mean it's like I can get around some of the the technical issues for me it's about how it made me feel what kind of experience I had and if that journey you know what kind of journey and, and how the journey was uh, I, I think this is a fantastic idea, and I love that. I've, I've got to go back and 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 check out more of your guys' uh, episodes because there's, I mean, there's so many fantastic films, and and I absolutely love the the perspective of here's what we loved, here's how it emotionally uh, affected me. Well, thank you. Yeah, I would highly recommend anybody who is interested in it. It's you know you can find it at Feelin. That's F E E L I N F I L M. No. G.com. Uh, and you can also find it, you know, podcast anywhere that you can find podcasts. We are present. I would always recommend to people, they'll say, oh, well, what ex- episodes would you say to start with? Find a movie that you love. Mm-hmm. Find your favorite movies in our, you know, library of episodes we've done and go listen to those episodes because those are the ones you're going to get the most out of. You're going to have fun listening to us discuss and pull out some of the same things that you probably have felt yourself. Mm -hmm. And that is a really cool conversation. I got into podcasting about movies partially because I was listening to so many movie podcasts and I would find myself literally talking back to my radio in the car because I was like trying (laughs) to have a conversation with the critics, you know, like as they were discussing things. And I was like, man, I need to have a way to have my own, you know, say in this matter. Um, and that was, you know, had to do it and record it. And there we go. You know, <laughs> I, I always hate to do this to you now, but to, to chat a little bit about the history of video game movies. And I feel like my personal history is, I, it's like littered with video game movies that I really, 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 really wanted to love. And like came out of it going, what did I just watch? <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> so yep. it, it seems like just recently with, with movies like Sonic and Detective Pikachu that are like finding the commercial success and enough critical success to kind of move that genre forward. But they haven't had what I would call the uh, original Spider-Man effect yet, right? Because that, like, that's the 2002 Spider-Man kind of blew the door open on comic book movies, and video game movies seem to uh, to be lacking that s- still. What 
do you see as like the issues and do you do you have like specific video game movies in your mind that like stand as like shining examples of a good good or great video game movie absolutely i do um and the the best example is not a video game movie but uh i'll get there so i think that what is interesting to me first of all i think we've come a long way Mm -hmm. i think that when we started this with super mario brothers and double dragon and street fighter (laughs) back in the day uh you know if you look at the quality of that versus what we get even a rampage you know in recent years just from a pure entertainment perspective the quality has increased Mm -hmm. and it has changed one thing going back into history when you look at video game movies is that they've always made money (laughs) and that's that's why they keep getting made right so Mm -hmm. it's a business and even when they've been bad they've had the worst rotten tomato scores (laughs) critics absolutely despise them even fans just like mostly will take a dump on them on social media but like they made money the resident evil movies all made over 300 something million dollars people talk about how Mm -hmm. quote unquote bad they are i personally love them all but they are profitable and they are able to be made generally on pretty low budgets and so that's why they're able to turn that profit i think that We've seen kind of an increase in quality as we go. And for me, it has been a big part of that is because of the focus on story Mm -hmm. instead of just trying to cater to fan service. So when we had Mario, we had Double Dragon, we had Street Fighter, even Mortal Kombat, there was not really a focus as much on, hey, let's create a good film narrative story that flows it was like let's figure out what happened in the video game and try to translate it and just make it straight you know one for one comparison in the movie i think that video games need to be adapted just like you would a book in that you don't need to just do it perfect you know copied you need to use it as an inspiration it's one reason that i'm actually somewhat excited about uncharted is because it's not taking a story from the book and just trying to copy or from the games and copying it it's going to create its own thing and i think it's a lot more likely it will be received well because of that um when you're watching a movie like even tomb raider tomb raider the recent one was great but it's based on largely the 2013 reboot game and so the whole time i'm watching it i'm like that happened that happened that scene's from the game oh that's a major cut scene from the game that was awesome but oh that didn't happen in the game oh now they're deviating so my mind i'm not even able to get into the movie because i'm thinking as a gamer about why how it compares and my biggest concern going forward and the reason that i think we're still held back is because we have not seen legitimate the best of the best talented directors take up the helm Mm -hmm. of these movies yet. So we've seen tons of talent attached. We've seen Jake Gyllenhaal in Prince of Persia. Yeah, we've seen, going back to Angelina Jolie in Tomb Raider, we've seen Mm -hmm. Michael Fassbender, for goodness (laughs) sakes, in Assassin's Creed. And I actually like all of these movies. I enjoy them on some level. But they have not been elevated to the star potential that they could be. And I think that's because of the directors. I was looking, you know, at what we have coming up and, you know, Rampage director, his biggest hit before this was San Andreas, which is just a cheesy, mindless blockbuster action flick. So what yep. did you expect, right? Detective Pikachu, unexpected hit, as you mentioned, Lucas. I think we all love that one. Director has some good movies in his filmography. He made Shark Tale, Monsters vs. Aliens, and Goosebumps, which was actually really phenomenal kids yeah. adaptation. Sonic the Hedgehog, 
also turned itself around animation wise and turned into great. It's great because of its story Mm -hmm. and its director, Jeff Fowler is responsible for a movie called where the wild things are Mm -hmm. an adaptation of a book that was excellent. That movie, the new uncharted movie is the, the prime example of this because we've seen a carousel of incredibly talented directors, guys. I, I've this is my favorite franchise in all of history, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uncharted. I love treasure hunting stories. Some very close to this, and there were so many names that have been attached to this project that I've been like, I want that. I want that guy. I want him to do it. And then he moved on. He moved on. Now the director, Ruben Fleischer, is th- responsible for. He made uh, Zombieland and Venom, and so. You know, we'll see, but that doesn't necessarily inspire greatness for me, like a Dan Trachtenberg did, you know, who is a gamer himself and who made 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, I was excited about that. And so, and the directors for Uncharted have talked about script issues, like not having script control. Mm -hmm. And so again, I go back to story. If the game companies are unwilling to let the people who are experienced in making good narrative movies actually make a narrative movie then we're going to continue to have subpar results in this genre of adaptations. And so I I'm mildly excited for the future, but I'm also very restrained. I think Paul W.S. Anderson, you know, who did the resident evil collection. And then recently he released monster hunter this year. Monster hunter was fantastic. It's in my top 20 of the year guys. Like I loved it. I think it's great. And it's great. Not because it's a perfect adaptation of the game. It pays homage to the game at times, and it sets up a universe in which it could play in the Monster Hunter world, you know, adaptation universe really well, but it doesn't straight go for, I'm going to do this exact story exactly like you saw it in the game. It's like, here's some characters, mm-hmm. here's some elements, but this is a new thing that happened. And I really, I think, resonated because of that with it. And I think that the, like I said earlier, the very beginning, the standard that people need to look to in a lot of ways is 1917. I don't know if you guys saw it last year. Yep. Uh, phenomenal film by Oscar-winning director, right? Sam Mendes. It's a war movie basically told from a third-person, over-the-shoulder perspective, which is entirely propulsive from start to finish. You're just following these two men. Mm-hmm. It's shot like it's one take where they're just going on this journey, this Literally, like it is like a level of a video game, get from point A to point B to the end of the story, and you follow them just like you're behind them, like you're in control of the characters on screen with a controller, it feels like. And it's better than any video game movie has ever executed that feeling before. And why? Because these people are talented filmmakers, not because they're trying to make a quote video game movie. So that's my history of video game movies in a jiff <laughs> you know it it reminds me of of the halo adaptation that never came to fruition because you had you had directors like neil blancamp even peter jackson at some point and like that that was the one like at that time when halo was still possibly the biggest gaming franchise in the world at that point like if that could have gotten off the ground if they could have given control to amazing directors like i feel like that could have accelerated the video game genre movie genre so far forward and it just it just dissolved it just crumbled and i feel like that set it back a lot like that really made me frustrated that blanc camp actually has a short online if you Mm -hmm. can go you can go see it right now you can watch his halo vision and it's like it's it's sick it's it's a very grounded halo marine level of 
you know, experience that's a gritty war movie look with just a little bit of the sci-fi elements of like a Master Chief's extra power, you know, that he has. And it's phenomenal. And you watch that and you're just like, I want more of that. And yet you're right, Lucas. Like, we, why are we not getting that? Yeah. And it's just confusing to me because these are directors who are critically successful and commercially successful. So like, yeah, it, it's it's befuddling to me that that gaming companies don't trust people who have a track record of doing quality and commercially popular work. And, you know, it's when I look back on comic movies, obviously the 2002 Spider-Man, then arguably the dark Knight, and then Iron Man that same year are are like watershed moments in that genre of film of like elevating it to something that I don't think any of us could think was possible when you think back to like the 80s 90s batman movies even so like you you see those watershed moments and you just wonder what it will take for a game studio to just go with it and let them get to that point and what property could get us to that point well, again, too, I, I I feel like there's this weird disconnect, and we see it in a lot of other things, too, with games. Because uh, you're right, because they started out really, really campy, whereas they see that, I, I think they're starting to learn more about the community and people that actually play video games, is, look, we want legit stories with our games, just like the games. We want them, you know what I mean, like a legit story. That doesn't mean that we need all the the this game has or this movie has to follow this game i love the fact that they go a different tangent they take these characters and they build their own world their own story you know using some of those elements but it doesn't have to be anything then that they have to compare to oh you know i I, i'm looking at this like i'm looking at the uh or playing the game and i'm gonna nitpick it and and pick it apart i'm not gonna enjoy it you know, I'd rather have this new story. And you're absolutely correct. This is not so much they like I, I feel like there's this weird, like, hey, this is this is popular within video games, so it'll be popular popular on film. Whereas it's like, look, again, you know, it's a it's a different, it's a different platform, it's a different medium. People want to be able to experience a legitimate story when going and watching it. It's like we, you know, it, it's great to have those throwbacks and stuff like that, but but give me a legitimate story. And we're starting to see now more of these films. And, and this is going to come with attaching good writers, not only just having big, big blockbuster stars, attaching solid writers, attaching solid directors. That's where we're really like, I'm kind of excited, uh, you know, for video game movies more so now. Cause I think they're starting to, to see that. And you're starting to see a shift in these films that that are more adaptations of video games as opposed to side-by-sides. Yeah, I agree. And I think that also that it's probably inevitably going to be difficult though through forever for the purpose of, or for the reason of that when we play a video game, guys, the joy that we get out of that, the experience that we get out of playing games is because we're in control. Mm-hmm. We are the character. We are immersed in that character over a long period of time. So we have a level of buy-in that you don't have in a film, even when you're adapting that, like I'm not going to be Nathan Drake anymore. It's Tom Holland playing Mm -hmm. Nathan Drake in the games. I'm Nathan Drake. You know what I mean? Like I get to inhabit that character in a way that doesn't happen when you watch a movie. And so it just makes the translation different. And so it's, it's more like we don't need adaptations as much as I guess adaptations is what we need. We don't need direct comparisons because, 
you know, Uncharted is great because it's about a treasure hunter who's snarky and has awesome relationships with people around him. That doesn't have to be Nathan Drake. It could be anybody, Indiana Jones. Right. You know? It could be, <laughs> uh, you know, somebody else that has, you could make your own character up mm-hmm. and play in that same type of world. And it would be just as exciting in a film world. But we, ha- when you're doing these comparisons, you gotta be careful with it. And it's, and it's tough. I think I got to acknowledge that it's tough because you're trying to please those hardcore fans that just want fan service just delivered to them. And you're trying to please people who just want a good movie and don't know at all what the heck that fan service is there for Mm -hmm. or whatnot. And Resident Evil, I think that's why they did a great job is because they took the premise of the T-Virus being released by Umbrella Corps. And then that, then they just went their own way after that. And right. the franchise is completely different, but yet you're still going to get Chris and Claire Redfield showing up for fun. And yet they fit in the, in the narrative of the movie. They're just like, again, any other characters, you could give them any name you want and they would still fit in that movie. Right. They're not straight copies of their video game counterparts, but at the same time, it gives us that fun little nod. And we're like, I know who Claire and Chris Redfield are. <laughs> yeah. um, I know who Ada Wong is and I'm excited to see her. And so both sides of the fan bases can get excited about that. And it, we just, yeah, it just rarely has worked so far, unfortunately. You know, it's interesting because I think when I like love a book series, right? And I will just be forthright and say most of my book series movie adaptations have been terrible. Like I love Artemis Fowl. I never want to even mention that anymore. Oh, like, no. like, <laughs> but like when I'm reading, you know, you I do also put those nuances in my mind about a character, right? But it seems like a good book adaptation, even if it's not what I'm picturing in my mind as I'm reading through the story, is still good. So I think it's it's certainly possible that, that gaming movies can find that balance. Um, I just, it, it makes you wonder because... I've always said, Ryan, we've said this a lot. Video game stories have matured right before our eyes, but video game movie stories seem to still be at a very immature level. I don't mean that in necessarily a negative way, but we don't see the complexities of A Last of Us being portrayed in a video game movie. And I think that's what's most frustrating for me, that video game movies are telling such diverse stories now that we're just not seeing at all filter into video game movies. Well, yeah, dude, you nailed it right on the head. It's it's more of this. Uh, they, what they haven't realized, what they're what they're catching up to now, is that gamers have matured. Um, you know, and and we're now older. The, 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 you know, the ones that that you know we started from the OGs, and you know we've been we've been playing for a grip. It's like we're 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 on the cusp of old now. So you know, we we, we want more. There's more of an expectation. Not only that, but then you also have a lot of different ways. To consume media, so I, I think you're, you know, Aaron. Aaron was spot on too when it when it's a combination of that, you know, tipping the hat that fan service, but also there's a big new group of of kids and people now that you're introducing this stuff that they're now getting it here, and maybe they'll go back and check out the original stuff or whatever. But I, I really think there's an opportunity there where where these studios and they're starting to see it. They need to mature, especially when it comes to video game uh, movies. 
I, I think that there is a lot of possibilities there. And they really, I, I think they're on the, the cusp of starting to give us those stories in a, in a more palatable, not campy way. <laughs> I, I'm not a big TV guy because I gravitate toward movies first, video games second, mm-hmm. and my third time investment goes to series. And so there's just not as much time for me to spend on them. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where we're seeing it start and could be the linchpin to then filter over to be like, okay, now the film industry needs to catch up because we see something like the Witcher on Netflix be so good. And then we have the last of us coming guys. And Mm -hmm. if there's anything that I have faith in knowing Neil Druckmann is involved in this, (laughs) knowing the production team from the Chernobyl miniseries at HBO is behind this this thing is going to be quality. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's going, they're not going to go straight story. He's already said that it's going to have some elements to that, but it's not going to be a 100% strict adapt adaptation of it. And I think that that's where you're going to be like, okay, so there's the model for what it can look like. And with any luck, the halo TV show that's coming will mm-hmm. have some similar success. I'm less hyped on that similar yeah i'm a little more worried about that one because it's showtime mm-hmm. um and they don't have the same quite the same track record we just don't know yet but i think that if these continue to hit we get the halo show the last of us and then the witcher which has a second season coming if those are still critically received we should be able to translate that type of storytelling that mature storytelling that diverse storytelling that you're talking about ryan into film they're gonna see that okay that's what people want mm-hmm. and maybe just maybe we can finally start to swing this pendulum over a little bit. Yeah, definitely. You know, my final question on my end, Aaron, what is your favorite video game movie and why? Oh boy. Um, you know, <laughs> I, gosh, I, I, whew, uh, <laughs> <a loaded> question. <laughs> it, it is. It's like, the thing is, there's no great one. There's no, or there's no, masterpiece Mm -hmm. and that that makes it hard for me because there is a level of video game movie enjoyment i get from quite a few but they're all just a notch below perfect Mm -hmm. and so it makes it tough i think that the the newest tomb raider reboot is up there for me simply because again i love treasure hunting and i'm a big alicia vikander fan um, as well and so that one Uh, plays in there i think maybe my greatest i don't like the word guilty pleasure too much because Mm -hmm. i think if you like a movie that that means it has quality even with its issues the only real issues i have with this movie are related to the casting even though i somewhat enjoy the casting um and racially speaking it just doesn't hold up these days to be honest but prince of persia i think is a really underrated fun movie Mm -hmm. and then i just went through the resident evil series and so i've got to put that up there at the top (laughs) just as a as a whole it is such a uniquely created vision and it stands alone in video game adaptations uh, when you compare all of them. You know, Sonic is great. Uh, Detective Pikachu actually might, maybe that's my overall favorite because I just had the best time ever watching that movie. <laughs> I was still into Pokemon Go at the time. And so it was very much kind of connecting with me in the moment. Got to watch it with my kids in the theater and everybody I was with enjoyed it. So I don't know. There's more than one that I'm mentioning, but those are kind of some of my highlights. 
You know, I gotta, I gotta admit that Detective Pikachu was, like, such a pleasant surprise. Like, I went through the range of emotions beforehand, because I'm just like, first of all, live-action Pokemon, count me in. Then I was a little disappointed that it was going to be Detective Pikachu. But then, you know, watching it with my girlfriend, who's not huge into Pokemon, but kind of, like, showing her a door into that world. And I remember seeing it at theaters, getting the cards. Like it brought me back to my childhood to Pokemon, the first movie. So like, like that entire experience was just like nostalgic me. And just like now me just enjoying the heck out of that movie. Um, much more just because I love that franchise just in general. Like that was the one movie where I'm like, I could watch that again and again and again, and it will never get old for me. It was solid. I mean, it was solid. Again, I'm being from the, I'm not as familiar with Pokemon. The only like real exposure I had to it was when it, it surged up when Pokemon Go went out and everybody was out there playing it. That's when I really like was like, oh, what's this all about and whatnot. But I enjoyed the movie. You know, I, I have uh, my daughter, my daughter and our family, we watched it. We absolutely loved it. It gave me a little more context to that world and what it was about. Uh, I felt like they did a really good job, too. Not only that, but with the animation. The animation didn't feel corny. Uh, you know, being able to have that intertwined with IRL, uh, I thought that they did a really good job of, of doing it without it making looking without it uh, looking corny. Uh, I thought it was a pretty solid storyline, uh, which is really, really important. So for me, I thought, yeah, Pokemon really did a good job of being like, oh, well, well this is pretty solid for a blockbuster, uh, you know, big time movie. I was like, all right, I like the direction that they're going in as far as with films and, and, and video games. Absolutely. Uh you know, again, Aaron, let's let's where where can when you find you at? Where can we find the podcast? Uh, where can we find you on the Twitters? All that good stuff. All right, so you can get the podcast Feelin' Film. Twitter is at Feelin' Film, F E E L I N F I L M. Uh, you can find me personally for my video game tweeting is usually going to be done at Aaron L White. That's A A R O N E L W H I T E, which is also my handle everywhere. So. Aaron E L W H I T E. You can find me Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, PlayStation, Xbox, whatever the <laughs> switch. Well, not switch because it's like a 15 digit number, but, um, but everything else is Aaron L white. Uh, but yeah, feeling film is available on podcast services everywhere. The games we love podcast is also available. Season one of that's out there. If you enjoy it, let me know. Uh, Cause if enough of you tell me you enjoy it, then maybe I'll, put some work in and get a second season going. Uh, it also has a Twitter account at the games we love and uh, it's not super active. I'll be honest, but it would be if I was putting out episodes. So you feel free to follow that as well. Awesome. Thank you, Aaron. Again, thank you so much for taking your time coming jibber jabbing about movies and video games. Two things that I know a lot of people love. Uh, we appreciate you being on brother. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. Uh, it's it's really a joy, and I, I love talking about games and movies. And so I got to do both of those things this morning. And, I mean, you're just starting my week off and my 2021 off great. That's what I'm talking about. Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? Well, you know, speaking back to earlier in the episode, I'm still on my Super Mario 35 fix, mainly because I know it's going away. And I'm, I am so sad that it's going away because that's the... I always say this. This is the one Battle Royale game that I can actually win and win somewhat consistently. <laughs> and Nintendo's just going to take it from me. I hate that. <laughs> what about yourself, Ryan? 
Jill and I, I think we're actually going to go out and try to be active. Um, I've got, I'm almost done with, uh, I should be finishing up um, uh, Legion, Watchdog Legion, uh, which I've been, I, I've been enjoying and having fun. I've been playing that strictly on Amazon Luna. The experience has been fantastic so far using Luna. I'd like to get back in sometime because uh, I'm really excited. That's something else that excites me this year is just all the, the cloud gaming prospects. And hopefully we see some great, you know what I mean? steps forward in cloud gaming uh this year i'm really excited for that but other than that i'm just gonna be uh keeping it chill i need i need to get back on that spider-man grind finish the original spider-man and then finish miles morales uh that will probably be, be my focus this weekend uh anyway though thank you guys so much for joining us today on land parties uh we hope you guys don't forget Go grab your free games on PlayStation, on Xbox, uh, wherever you've got them. Your Epics, uh, I'm sure they've got uh, games and whatnot as well. We hope you guys have fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces. 